0: Instead of taking up that gym membership that you wouldn't use even if the gyms were open, how's about subscribing to The Athletic for just £4 a month as a New Year's resolution? You'll get unrivaled football coverage, with analysis and in-depth features from the very best writers around, exclusive Q&As with Athletic staff, and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts, including this one. Find out more and sign up today at theathletic.com slash totally.
1: totally football show today virus ravaged teams going to the academy like it was oscar night Leeds with the biggest crawley embarrassment since piers morgan interviewed trump it is the fa cup third round we bring you all the cup stories from crawley to Chorley to magpies playing poorly to west brom exiting prematurely plus a look ahead to the premier league action coming up this midweek hopefully it's the totally football show in association with paddy power Hello there, listener. It's Monday the 11th of January. How are you doing? Here we go with another Totally Football show we have with us today, Daniel Storey. Hello, Daniel.
3: Hi, James.
1: Sasha Gurinov also joining us. Hi, Sasha. Hi, James. And it's a big welcome to Faye Carruthers. Hello. Faye joins us from her kitchen, but she's in a specially built sound booth. (laughs) It's so professional, Faye. Well done to you.
4: Thanks very much. I'll take a bow.
1: Uh, how is everybody? It was a fantastic third round of FA Cup action, no.
3: Yeah, I, I I had fear. I think we all had fears for it with the with the you know, an hour before kickoff on the Friday night game. We worried about a kind of Liverpool onslaught that maybe demeaned the competition a little bit through no fault of its own. But I actually think it, it survived through it and yeah, one of the most memorable third round weekends in in quite a while, I think, because of partly because of COVID and partly because the football stood above it.
1: Mm. Sunday in particular, uh, an extraordinary finale to the round with that Newport-Brighton game, which we've just finished watching. We also had one of the ultimate big club and non-league ground Romance of the Cup experience type matches in that uh, Spurs-Marine 5 thing.
5: <laughs> yeah, it took me home that. I grew up in Crosby. Um, so I've been past that ground quite a few times. Uh, I've lived for about half a mile from it, so it was very, um, you know, I, I was listening to the pod on Thursday, hearing words like Crosby, Marine, Merseyrail, Squirrels, and I was like, it just take, takes me back about 25 years. Uh, but for Marine, 5-0, I think, is reasonably respectable. Um, I thought uh, that... Um, Vinicius uh, was slightly over celebrating those goals, um, but it was I, th- I think it, it was the occasion in the end for Marine that they hoped it would be despite the fact they're no fans because they raised a lot of money as well uh, through those virtual ticket sales. One thing that got me worried, though, was the crowds outside the stadium in these days. I mean, I was worried that the whole FA Cup might go on Thursday once we started getting the news about the uh, COVID results. Uh, fortunately, the Cup survived. And it survived. Uh, also, it's great that it survived because, you know, Marine got the chance um, in the limelight, the biggest uh, game in history. Mm.
1: As you say, Vinicius pitiless in the face of Marine's aspirations. But I think even though it became a very one-sided game very, very quickly in the first half, it was still so much to enjoy. All the people watching in their back gardens. The Airhorns, I particularly enjoyed. A 16-year-old scoring on his debut. Fantastic, no?
4: The whole thing about it was, was lovely. Jurgen Klopp turning up to watch, obviously <laughs> with his with his mate, was wonderful. Uh, the prosecco uh, around the ground. Um, I agree with Sasha in terms of you know everybody as the buses uh, turned up. That should have been sorted out. That was utterly, utterly ridiculous. Um, but Niall Kenge with that 35 yard out hitting the crossbar early on, I thought, oh, we could have something on here. Mm. And that's when all the kind of the trainee plumber and all those kind of things come out. It was uh, it was lovely.
1: You're right. It was almost like a bonfire night vibe to, to to the occasion. You know, everyone clustered in the back gardens. Obviously, Prosecco, which we all have. Uh, Vinicius, anyway, after, again, he almost opened the scoring for the home side with a first half hat-trick, the other goal coming in there uh, from uh, Lucas Murro with a fabulous uh, free kick and then uh, Alfie Devine uh, scoring on his Spurs debut uh, excitingly Jack Pitt Brook pointing out that he was actually born two months after Jose Mourinho's special one unveiling at Chelsea oh my god perspective Claxon.
3: yeah it made me it, it made me think oh this is my quarter-life crisis and then it made me think two minutes later no 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 this is far nearer my big knife crisis so that was that was a nice moment what happens to Mourinho is that the end of their season do you think uh, there's going to be discussions about the, that this week, about whether seasons are going to be null and voided, uh, i.e. completely scratched, or um, the other option is to kind of merge this season and next season into one season on the basis that maybe, you know, next winter we may have a, a similar issue. So watch this space on that. But yeah, I mean, they're certainly not going to finish this season on time because they haven't played football for, for weeks and weeks. Mm. Well, best
1: of luck to Marine. Let's get a quick check then on the big scorelines from this third round of action. Friday, full-strength Liverpool beat Villa's kids. 17-year-old Louis Barry briefly putting the home side level, but it ended 4-1. Saturday, Sheffield United got their first win since July. West Brom went out to League One Blackpool on penalties. Palace and Newcastle also exited to Wolves and the holders Arsenal. All the other top-flight teams going through, though, including Leicester, who gave Stoke a 4-0 whipping with a goal of the round from James Justin to open things up. Meanwhile, upsets, well, uh, League One's Plymouth, Argyle and Doncaster put out Championship sides Huddersfield and Blackburn Rovers. And Lancashire part as Chorley, whose volunteers had used kettles and hair dryers to stop the pitch from freezing, put out Derby County, which would count as a bigger upset if it hadn't been the Derby County kids. Sunday, though, we did get... Proper giant killing as while well. Man City and Chelsea breeze past their opposition, Birmingham and Morecambe, Crawley of League Two took on Marcelo Bielsa's lead and beat them 3 0. Woof. John Yem's outthinking FIFA Manager of the Year nominee, Marcelo Bielsa, and coming up with the biggest defeat for a top flight team to a fourth tier side since 1987. Faye.
4: I thought Crawley were were fantastic for, for, for this, regardless of the fact that you know Leeds were certainly not at their best, and Marcelo Bielsa had made seven changes. You can't take anything away from Crawley, and that first goal was absolutely sensational from Nick Cerula. Um, he managed to get past four Leeds players fantastic shot away as well and he's, it's a really lovely story with him as well he didn't make it at Spurs he was out for a good year after having a car crash three or four years ago so for him to do that on on a stage like the FA Cup third round I think is fantastic.
1: This was only his seventh game in senior football and he got very emotional afterwards with M- Emma Saunders. What swung the game was it the three half time substitutions that Bielsa made to his not full strength team but still pretty strong?
3: Yeah, I think I think Crawley saw that triple substitution and thought if we st- carry on doing what we're doing, then you know there's a potential here. The, there's a sense that Leeds really, maybe or be else really, aren't as fussed as as I think they should have been. You know, I think we've all said that Leeds will probably stay up this season. So the cup was a was a perfect opportunity for for them to bring you know silverware, genuinely silverware. They should be a, a challenger for this competition. So that was really poor. Um and yeah, it played into into Crawley's hands. Uh I think Kiko Casilla was the other game changer in a negative sense because um I, I don't think he should be playing for Leeds for, for, for non football reasons, but he he probably shouldn't be playing for Leeds for football reasons after today because he just looked so short of confidence. The the second goal just completely went through him at his near post. And um yeah, that was I, I think it was disappointing that he was picked and yeah, I kinda of saw him. it as karma doesn't really have a sell-by date and two or three years down the line he's he's come undone maybe
1: mm. there was a bit of a bubble off the probably less than pitch perfect turf there uh, but but yes two goals in in the space of three minutes as as Leeds collapsed and uh and, and through crawley goes sasha did you enjoy this john is quite restrained at the final whistle i thought
5: Because probably he lost the interest a bit like I did Because I felt that Leeds weren't completely committed I thought those half-time substitutions didn't really make much sense The positioning Mm. of the players wasn't great As Daniel mentioned, the goalkeeper had a poor performance So I think by the end, I just got the impression that Leeds weren't that interested Of course, record books um, will show Crawley's win And that's the only thing they care about But I think from Bielsa's point of view This is one that really didn't make much difference to him All right, history
1: books will actually show the fact that a reality TV star came on for the final minutes Is he famous?
3: I have no idea what this guy is. Apparently so, Faye.
4: Why are you asking me? I don't watch uh, reality TV (laughs) shows.
3: I mean, reality TV star and famous can be mutually exclusive. Um, And yeah, I mean, the the thing that made me laugh is that Crawley kind of insisted this wasn't a publicity stunt, which if you look at Mark Wright's history in very low non-league and not actually playing that much is, uh, yeah, it's a hard sell.
1: Okay, we'll move on then. Sasha, let's start off uh, the rest of our roundup with the game which kicked things off on Friday. You had some fairly uh, acerbic uh, reactions on social media to Liverpool's lineup to take on the Villa Academy. To wit, that Liverpool lineup is a bit Michael Owen against a child and no Neville Southall around to provide moral support. Uh, and then you said this game is just about tolerable as a training match. Uh, But you point out the Villas under-18s completed more passes in the first half against Liverpool than West Brom did the other week. Of course, we know how that game turned out, don't we?
5: Well, I think, yeah, obviously passes don't win you games. Um, But in in this situation, I I was looking at the lineup and I was looking at what they're facing and given Liverpool's issues with fatigue. And I thought they might might change it. But Klopp said before the game that they're going to go with the formation uh, that they were going to um, use against the Villa first team. And I mean, we saw some issues with Liverpool that have become familiar. Um, Sort of this lack of creativity, lack of invention in going forward against a packed defence. So I think in a way, it actually did turn out to be quite a good training game because eventually they had to find their way through, be it uh, because they put on Thiago against children whose legs went after about 60 minutes. Um, But... You know, it's, it's it's a game that you couldn't really win. As in, if you batter the kids, that then you know it doesn't look very good. If you, for some reason, make a mistake against the kids, it doesn't look very good either. And um, so, as as it happens, I think in the end it actually worked out very well. The reason I was a bit worried about this and generally about you know adults playing against young players is. You know, it doesn't always work out very nicely. Um, I saw a terrible example in Russia in the summer, uh, where Rostov had to field an under, effectively an under seventeen team. They were average age seventeen, and they got bullied uh, by Sochi. They lost ten one, and it was it just looked really, really unpleasant. Um, And I kind of fear every time this happens now when there is a a young team that needs to be played um, against um, a a proper first team. But I thought the way Liverpool handled it and the way Villa played, I actually thought out, thought that you couldn't really think that this game could have gone any better because, you know, uh, Barry got his... um, you know, Hour of Glory, you know, the best moment of his, of his life. There was such such a lovely interview after the game. Liverpool worked on a few issues. Um, and I think everyone came out of the game with uh, great credit. I also quite like the fact that um, we actually saw a Bohard uh, actually play a game uh, in, in England. Obviously, Winston, the uncle of uh, Lamar Mans, was famous for not playing very much. <laughs> uh, so uh, good to see that he played. But he actually... That wasn't the heaviest defeat for the Boharts this weekend because uh, they lost 4-1 here. But his brother, uh, Milero uh, Bohart, played for Hoffenheim against Schalke at the weekend. Famously, Schalke won for the first time in 30 games, 4-0. And that Bohart had a terrible, terrible game.
1: That's extraordinary that he was involved in that, a game which really will go down in the history books. They were on the verge of equaling the worst ever record for consecutive losses. And they come up with a 4-0 win against Hoffenheim. Amazing. Something we'll be discussing at length in the uh, Totally Football Show European edition out on Tuesday, listener, which would be a relief to you. Uh, All of you saw your teams go through in the FA Cup. Sasha with Liverpool. Faye, your Luton went through with a 1-0 win over Reading.
4: Yeah, delighted. George Monker. Um, mm. Chuffed to bits. are in the fourth round, actually. It's not happened for a while, so uh, very much looking forward to seeing who we, who we draw. And we've just been, you know, well, I love us under Nathan Jones. We just play such good football and Reading haven't been a good team for us to play of late, so I'm quite pleased to have beaten them.
1: What about Nottingham Forest, who are putting together a decent run under Chris Hughton, and uh, saw of Cardiff 1-0? Daniel. Yeah,
3: they are defensively solid. They, they, they're they not playing particularly attractive football, but I don't think Hewton will give us stuff about that at the moment. And quite frankly, nor should he, because we, we're more likely to go out the trapdoor than um yeah than get promoted. So, yeah, resilient, pretty ugly to watch, but that doesn't matter as much when there's no fans in the stadium.
1: Excellent. And Duncan, who was on on Thursday ahead of this round of action with his Wickham Wanderers, they went through thrashing Preston 4-1. It's only the second time in Wickham's history they made it to the fourth round. Do you remember the first one?
5: First time yeah. Wickham made it to the... You do, Sasha. go on. Uh, they went all the way to the semi-final. Well, They, they lost 4-2 to Liverpool right.
3: in 2001. Roy
5: Essendow et Yep.
1: Yeah, and Laurie Sanchez in charge of it all. Mm-hmm. Mm. Extraordinary. Well, loads of other things to talk about from this weekend and indeed uh, from the midweek ahead. We'll get on to some more of those next... At Paddy Power, we know competition for the remote
2: control can be fierce at the weekends. So, in order to give the non-football-loving occupants of your house something to do, here are some of our top suggestions. Go for a walk. Walk the dog. Walk to the shops. Go cycling. Cycle the dog. Recycle the dog. Just go! All very good options, we say, and that's not the only one. If one leg of your four-plus-fold acca lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Paddy Power. Max free bet £10, Min odds 1-5 on each leg, online exclusive, exclude shop bets, T's and C's apply, 18+, big Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it, tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick Sporting Goods. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic
0: Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pearce, Ollie K, and the very best football writers around.
1: Elsewhere in FA Cup land this uh, weekend, there was a tuna win for Chorley over Derby County, but not that Derby County. Daniel?
3: No, I mean, if you'd have been told a year ago that Chorley would play Derby in the FA Cup and would be almost odds-on to win the game, um, yeah, you'd have wondered whether a global pandemic had broken out or something. Um, They were full value for it, they really were. I mean, this was a very young Derby side. As with the Villa thing, it's worth pointing out that the... It's not just a case of picking the under 23s because the under 23s actually in the main generally train in the same group as the first team. So they are deemed to be close contacts and therefore weren't risked. So these are under 18 players. Um, I was actually gutted because there's a guy before lockdown, we play power league and there's a guy we played at, at, at five a side, which I, and I missed the game because I was shielding. Uh, and they played against a, a kid from Derby's academy who was breathtaking, and he was injured for the game, which is a real shame. I wish I'd, he'd played because I could have watched him on TV. But yeah, that's the level. It is sixteen, seventeen, eighteen-year-olds who are not near the first team, and surely were were comfortably too good for them.
1: Brilliant. With with the weekend quite heavily affected thus by the pandemic, with this cup tie and and, and certainly the the um, the Villa one as well quite significantly falsified by the fact that the first team wasn't available or the second team or indeed the under-23s and the Shrewsbury Southampton game off completely what's uh, what's A the, the kind of feeling about how the cup stands now and B what what's the state of play going forward is this something that's going to be increasingly a problem for league fixtures as well
3: yeah, I mean, I, I think it is. I think it's a, a failure. of the, it, it seems a really Scrooge thing to say after Marine and, and Chorley this weekend, but um, it seems remarkable that, that the relevant bodies couldn't get together and um, agree that playing every single match of every single competition, bar FA Cup replays and, and League Cup semi-final second legs, in a month shorter, at a time when a second spike was overwhelmingly likely, was a good idea. Um, and they couldn't extend the season like last time because of the Euros. So yeah, it seems a nonsense. But I think they they really are trying to do it with spit sawdust and, and cross fingers. Um, that's their that's their main strategy, as far as I can tell.
5: I also have a huge problem with the fact that the football league hasn't really had thorough testing until well, just about now. Mm-hmm. Um, so and in the amount of games that have been called off there, I think it's over fifty now. And I think. I mean, in the few days running up to this third round, I was genuinely thinking, well, there's going to be loads of positive tests, loads more postponements. And then you have, well, A, it's not a great situation because you can see that everywhere uh, the infection rates are going up. And if you look at the tests from the Football League, I think it was 112 from Mm -hmm. 3,500. So one in 30 players returning positive tests, that's like London levels, uh, which I think apparently at the moment highest in the country. It kind of suggests that there's these bubbles. If if they were even were in place, aren't really quite working. So I had a big problem with the football league clubs mixing with the Premier League players at this stage, and also Premier League clubs going to the football league clubs because it is my impression, uh, you know, that the protocols aren't quite at the same level. So we're going to see the results of this week's testing, but certainly, um, whilst that I, while I, I've, I've enjoyed the football, I still have this very much at the back of my mind um, how this will go ahead. And also you have to bear in mind in this a crumpled up season, lower division clubs going through, they're going to have more games postponed now. So this is going to have a snowball effect and there is going to be no more room to fit in these fixtures, I think, unless you're literally playing every second day. Mm. That's if
1: the Euros actually take place this summer, which I think at the moment is significantly open to some doubt, no, a kind of pan-continental uh, football extravaganza whether that the, the the continent's going to be ready for that in whenever it is June is something we shall have to see beyond the fact that the EFL have ramped up the amount of testing. What else do you see happening in the next week or two? Do you think things are going to come back down again or are they going to get worse?
4: I can only see it getting worse um, we've still got the christmas spikes to to come in and it's interesting you said Sasha that the about the protocols being vastly different but even though the protocols are supposed supposedly excellent in the Premier League we're seeing outbreaks in Premier League clubs as well and so there's something not working somewhere I, I know the Premier League made a statement and and, and said that you know that they're, they're tightening things up and, and players and managers etc have to you know be much more aware of handshakes and high fives and things like that well that was that kind of went out the window early doors in, in June June time. You know, that was ignored after game two, I would say, of the restart. So something has to change. I'm not sure a circuit breaker is going to work. As James said, where do do you fit these matches into the schedule? You you just can't. Something has to give. And unfortunately, the authorities don't seem to be collaborating in any way whatsoever, as you say, to try and take something out of the calendar somewhere.
1: But if a circuit breaker doesn't work, what what else can we do? Just,
4: plow we on. we have to stop again,
3: hmm. yeah that's the only, like the permanently. only thing is, I think that's the only thing that the only major thing that will happen will be a permanent stop, other than that, as I say, I think they will just try and muddle on and fit games in as they can you know Spurs at the start of the season did play Saturday Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. It might be that some teams have to do that,
1: but are you saying you think a permanent stop is actually likely this season
3: no, I don't I
4: don't think so. I think the Premier League have made that very clear that that, that they're not intending to. To, to do that but you know even Steve Bruce came out the other day and said mm. it, it's just getting dangerous now and I, I, I don't know I think it, th- there has to be a review I think.
5: I think with Steve Bruce as well there was a haunting interview from him Alicia described as haunting a couple of weeks ago when he was describing everything that Newcastle were going through and how the players were going down like flies and then obviously not not recovering um, uh, f- from this but I, what I would say though it's it is it is I think very important to find out why this is happening out now, whether this is a general, you know, the thing in society. Because I have to say, compared to majority of the other leagues, the protocols so far in the Premier League have been working really, really well. Um, I, I, and I, I think maybe apart from the Bundesliga. Because again, you know, compared to the Russian League, the, the, the spikes they've seen there, I mean, the Premier League has done a lot better. So if they can somehow, I don't know, maybe... Keep everyone at home from now on, or something like that. Monitor everyone individually, uh, but if they can get lid on this, they could perhaps carry on, you know, as they did before. But they need to somehow get lid on this now.
1: An- ankle bracelet things. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Okay. Well, fingers crossed then uh, for the future. And uh, well, let's have a quick thought then about one or two more of the big talking points from this weekend. As I mentioned, you had Man City. Cruising through Chelsea as well with actual goals from uh, Timo Werner. All very, very exciting. Uh, Blackpool putting out West Brom on penalties. with Blackpool keeper Chris Maxwell saving three shootout spot kicks, which he said made up for a Christmas spent suffering from coronavirus. And that was a shootout exploit that was matched by Jason Steele of Brighton.
5: Different performances, though, because whereas... um... The Blackpool goalkeeper actually kept his team in it with a last right. minute save and extra time. Jason Steele um, kind of air punched the cross that then went in off his defense. It was the worst piece of goalkeeping this weekend, comfortably.
1: Well, Sasha, let's rewind a little bit because this game had been goalless until the 90th minute, uh, partly due to the uh, exploits of Tom King, the Newport keeper. But in the 90th minute, just as we thought we were heading to extra time, there at Rodney Parade. Uh, Solly Marsh scores for Brighton, and uh, through they go. But oh my goodness, what's happening now? In the 96th minute of the game, a cross comes in. He's played it for Shepherd, and Shepherd's whipped oh. it in!
2: They've equalised! Oh. Extraordinary! Newport have rescued the cup tie!
1: Jason Steele comes for it, but misses it completely, Sasha. What's going on?
5: Just makes another terrible mistake, and it goes in off uh, Webster. And uh, this is the last kick of normal time. He basically throws the game for his team. Uh, he does redeem himself in the penalty shootout, mm. but he did also have a terribly wobbly moment in the first half. It did look like a Premier League team going to, you know, uh, on a cold Sunday night uh, to a lower division side with a bobbly pitch. He nearly gave a goal away in the 40th minute because he just the bounce. Um... Tom King uh, in nets for Newport was having an absolute worldie. Um, he wasn't number one last season. This season I'm not quite sure why, but he's now the cup goalkeeper. Uh, but um, the reason I'm keeping an eye on him is because um, my, my goalkeeping coach uh, did some training with him over the summer just to keep him, you know, keep him, keep him sharp before the start of the new season. He's a great guy, really technically good goalkeeper, did very, very well today. Um, three or four excellent saves. Could have probably done better on March's um, goal because he didn't doesn't step over across. But then the heroics in the shootout as well. And uh, it's it's just a shame to see them go out because I think they gave absolutely everything. They punched way above their weight. By the end, I think Brighton threw everything they could at them and they still held out until that shootout.
1: Um, you have a goalkeeping
5: coach, Sasha. Yeah. Never too late to start. All right. I started at 36 and it's, yeah.
1: You started as a keeper at 36? No, no, no. I
5: started to keep much earlier, but I first started getting coaching at 36. All right. Um, because I just looked up there was a, I saw there's a guy in my area who coaches kids I phoned him up I said look I'm 36 <laughs> uh, you know I'm slightly above your usual age group and he was like yeah fine, come down so uh, we uh, we have one on you know ones as the conditions would allow I don't play games at the moment but uh, but right. I train um, okay. and it's really rewarding
3: Sasha is that why you've had that haircut to try and look Oh yeah just, just to be more uh... with the fit in
1: <laughs> yeah exactly Sasha's had quite a an extreme Lockdown crew cut thing, uh, Sasha. What's been your biggest takeaway then of the? Sorry, how long have you been doing the classes for? oh uh, about four years. Right. Uh, and what's but... been the biggest revelation that you re- you realise? Oh my goodness, I've been doing it wrong all this time.
5: Oh, there's lots of st- everything, pretty much everything. All right. the movements, angles, a lot of footwork, uh, which I'm, I'm quite 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 a big guy, and you have to understand that you know big dudes and little dudes they have they play slightly different games so you have to kind of play to your strengths and uh, you know sometimes you cannot be as agile as someone as well as like I'm 40 now I can't be as agile as someone who is 20 so you just uh, have to play your percentages um, but also I think it improves the way I view goalkeeping and um, you know when I see someone like Tom King play today kind of tend to you know see what he can do better and I think today like really not much more perhaps maybe half a step on the on the Brighton goal and yeah it's, it's really rewarding and it's also, as I said, in, in the current conditions where, you know, people can't, can't play games, um, the mm. fact that I can still go out and, you know, catch a few footballs or miss most footballs, but still, uh, it's, uh, it's really, really rewarding. Goalkeeping. There you go. Goalkeeping.
1: Fantastic. The FA Cup third round, of course, does still have one fixture to go in it. It's Monday night Stockport against West Ham. Daniel, you mentioned last week, actually, Ian Dowry's classic own goal from a clash... Of yesteryear, nineteen ninety six, when Stockport knocked West Ham out of the League Cup.
6: from the big on by Armstrong. Oh, it's an own goal. An one as well by wow, that's incredible.
3: It's an extraordinary own goal. It's... Yes, it's the second my second favourite own goal behind Chris Brass's, who is the man who kicked the ball into his face <laughs> and passed his own goalkeeper. Um, which is your classic Danny Baker own goals and gaffes video. Right. staple but yes Dowie's is good because it's it it to all intents and purposes if you watched it with the sound down you think it was a brilliant header from a striker for yes. his for the right team has
1: he ever ever offered an explanation as to why he he absolutely lashed it into his own net
3: I, I think he's just gone with a sort of cliched loss I lost my head uh explanation but no I think he was trying to clear it but just into um, his own net. yeah into right. his own net it's a, yeah it's a trick move
1: okay Uh, Well, anyway, they're facing each other again. Stockport, that is, and West Ham on Monday. And uh, West Ham, of course, without Sebastian Allaire, who's gone off to Ajax. That's another thing we'll be discussing in Tuesday's European uh, Roundup. Now, very good. What we have coming up on Tuesday in the United Kingdom is the Premier League returning. How about we have a chat about some of those games next
0: You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to the Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's ind dot com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power.
1: Tuesday at Turf Moor, Man United could go top of the Premier League for the first time in January since Sir Alex Ferguson was in charge of the club. Wow, is that, is that as big as it sounds to me, Faye?
4: Sounds pretty big. Um, I mean, and to be honest, all the ollie-out brigade will have Mm. to swallow their words a little bit if if that does happen. But, you know, equally, Burnley... Don't write them off because they've really improved. They're on a bit of a Burnley bounce at the moment. Three wins and a draw in their last five games, and you know, I, I wouldn't. I, I think this is going to be quite a cagey tactical affair. Mm. Um, and I didn't think Manchester United were particularly impressive against Watford. I know it was a completely different outfit that they, that they put out, really. But you know, the only person that you would hang your hat on for definite. It, with a decent performance at the moment, would be, or two people actually, Bruno Fernandes and uh, Scott McTominay, who of course scored against Watford uh, for the winner as well. So And he's having a great season.
1: Burnley also made it through to the fourth round, uh, putting out uh, MK Dons, but on penalties. But as you mentioned, they've been on a, a good run of late, two Premier League wins in a row at Turf Moor as well. Man United with a terrific record away from home, surely... They're going to be back to their swashbuckling best on the road here.
5: But is this going to be a situation where Burnley tried to give them the ball and defend deep and not give any space? Is this going to be United finding themselves actually in more, more of a home game than an away game? Um, and is, is, is some fatigue setting in? I mean, Bruno Fernandes against Man City, some of the decision making I thought wasn't the best. I, did, I do think the Solskjaer rotated very well and very impressively over Christmas and New Year. Uh, which is something, for example, that Liverpool haven't been able to do to the same extent. Um, and it's interesting. I, th- I think Burnley could actually be quite an important game to assess where United go next because, as we've seen under Solskjaer, they're very streaky. They get on a roll, and the confidence is there. And you know, everyone's, you know, everything's rotating around Bruno Fernandes. But should he dip, uh, should they slip up against Burnley? Does that then set them on a path of several games where they don't they don't play that well? And obviously, with Liverpool coming up, uh, I think they have to make sure they keep they, they keep the strong going. And I mm. think there's actually quite a bit of pressure on them.
1: Crikey. So, rather than this being the game which puts them back on top for the first time in January since Sir Alex Ferguson, this could be where it all comes apart. Sasha, you think? <laughs>
3: it, it is. It is worth saying that Solskjaer in the you know on Sunday, spoke and kind of tried to play down um, the importance of the game and said that he was, you know, it, it's just another game and so on and so forth. Almost as if he kind of understands that ahead of the Liverpool game. I think he would much prefer to play this Burnley game at a different time, uh, I have to say. I think it, it, that a midweek distraction before next weekend is is not entirely what he would have wanted. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think there is more pressure on the game purely because it comes directly before that.
1: Mm. Liverpool with the midweek uh, with no fixture at all. So a big advantage ahead of next weekend's clash. Crikey.
4: I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has, has suggested that Pogba, Lindelof and Shaw are all doubts as well. So it'll be interesting mm. to see who he starts.
1: The last meeting between these two clubs ended 2-0 at Old Trafford to ooh, Burnley. Strokes chin. That
5: was probably the, like, the lowest point I think United reach, reached before the Bruno Fernandes effect kicked in. Mm.
1: Lowest point so far, Sasha. Now, Sheffield United taking on Newcastle on Tuesday as well. The Blades, as mentioned, actually won this weekend for the first time in six months. It was 3-2 over Bristol Rovers. Stat, a quarter of all Sheffield United's goals this season were scored in that one match. There you go. Oh, and Chris Wilder has now won his 100th game in charge of the Blades with that victory. Newcastle, meanwhile, who they will be facing on Tuesday, lost 2-0 in extra time to Arsenal after a bit of a shocker on Saturday. Daniel, I think you sat through this, didn't you?
3: Yeah, it wasn't good. I mean, it's interesting because it it showed to me so much how fans, understandably, but kind of live through the prism of results. Because had Arsenal not won that, you know, had not got the extra time goals and had lost on penalties, this would have been sold as a a dreadful performance, rightly so, and a disaster, probably not true. But the fact that they win and and Smith-Rowe has a hand in it again and the kids play... Does give them that momentum. It really does. But they were awful at times. This was as bad as the you know, the Burnley game and you know, though that run when it looked like Arteta was in real trouble, they were dismal. Andy Carroll should have scored twice. Newcastle played pretty well for them at the moment. But um yeah, I wasn't it was not a game to enjoy.
1: What well, what did you make of Carroll's performance? He he had nine of Newcastle's twelve shots and, and was very, very busy, but as you say, there were a couple of pretty huge misses that really could have turned mm. the game
3: well that's 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 Andy Carroll if if he, if he could do everything if he could give you a, a, a kind of seven out of ten performance every week and stay fit brilliant but he has these highs where he does something magical you know the overhead kicks for West Ham and the goal the other week for Newcastle and then yeah he just gives away free kicks he he, he he's offside he there's times when he's kind of jogging to get up with a play and doesn't quite play a part in the attack as he should. But he's a huge handful in the box and that's kind of all he is at the moment. But the way Newcastle play, actually, I think that works pretty well. It's better than doing the same to Joe Linton.
4: But then equally, in that game, he was just, particularly in the first half, just shooting from anywhere. He wasn't passing the ball. He was getting in great positions, but just shooting from outside the box the whole time, that's just not going to... Uh, come off against a keeper like Bernd Leno. So I was getting frustrated with him. He had two clear-cut chances. It, that game very much was a, a tale of two strikers not at their best because Aubameyang was the same. I know he eventually got his his goal in the end. Um, but I thought, you know, Newcastle played OK, but there's still seven games Without a win, this is this, this this is pretty poor stuff, and they're going to need to really improve against um, Sheffield United, who I know are in a really bad run of form. But actually, when you look at their stats and their performances, although they've lost games, it's all been really tight. It's not been because of bad performances necessarily. They are still, you know, without a lot of players. Um, and actually, I think maybe even though they beat Bristol Rovers, it might give them a little bit of confidence and momentum going forward. But I'm sure Newcastle will have Callum Wilson back, which will which will bolster them.
5: Well, one, th- one thing I would, I would add is I think looking at that uh, win, For Sheffield United, they did concede from two set pieces. So I think this is where the battering ram of Andy Carroll might be looking at going, hmm, maybe I could have some joy with that.
1: Interesting, because I was wondering if,
5: if you were warming up to
1: say this is where Sheffield United get their first league win of this campaign, but you stopped just short there.
4: Uh, Do you know what? I really hope they... I I, I know you're supposed to be very impartial, but Mm. I do hope for Chris Wilder's sake that they do get their first win. I think everybody feels like that because they were such a joy last season that everybody's been really disappointed with the season that they've had so far. And they have had a lot of bad luck. The miss of Jack O'Connell just is very underestimated uh, for that team in terms of character as well as uh, performances in the heart of defence and losing Dean Henderson, who was such a big um, support... Mm. In goal as well. I think you know it. It would be good to see them clamber back a little bit and not fall further adrift.
1: Not if you're a Newcastle fan. Still, if Schalke can win a match, come on, Sheffield United, you can do it too. Although you have lost your last five encounters against Newcastle, home and away, and your last five matches at home in the Premier League. But let's see what happens on Tuesday. The other game coming up Tuesday evening, a little bit later on, is Wolves against Everton. Wolves who've just seen Adama Treore score his first goal in over a year. That's an extraordinarily low rate of return for a player who looks mostly so dangerous. Hasn't played much, has he? Well, that might be a good reason. No, but
4: he's, he's, he's played a fair bit, but he's he's not quite the same player. But he, he's been delivering a lot more into the box. He's ne, he's never been, you know, a, a, a top goal scorer. He, Except he's, for he's one always... game
1: against Man City, you know.
4: Yeah. <laughs> but but he's always, you know, he he provides decent decent assists and 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 he's he's credible in in other areas and he does cause defenses a, a handful of problems. So I'm I'm glad to see him on the score sheet.
1: All right. Is he going to cause Everton problems, do you think? Everton with their new super tight defense.
3: Yeah, they were they were dismal against Rotherham. That's another game that was uh that I watched that was not hugely enjoyable to watch. Um yeah, they were really poor. Um But yeah, again, completely different team. He rested Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin. They will both obviously come back in. And I think at the moment, there's a sense that you can maybe just get at Wolves. There's just, you know, there's no disaster. And it's not that Nuno's taking them as far as he can or anything so dramatic as that, but they just seem to be slightly drifting. So Ancelotti will, yeah, we'll see that as an opportunity.
4: They've got a lot of injuries, though, Wolves, at the minute. Bolly, Dendonka, Johnny, Jimenez, Pedence, Marcel, all all out. Um, But um, Catrone's back from Fiorentina. And Morgan Gibbs-White as well, on loan from Swansea, is back. So that gives them a little bit more up front.
1: Interesting. OK, moving on to Wednesday's games. Man City are up against Brighton. Uh, Brighton have lost seven uh, in seven in all competitions against City since coming up to the Premier League in 2017. They lost their last two league meetings with Manchester City, this was last year, uh, by an aggregate score of 9-0. Yeah,
3: and uh, Eve Basuma is suspended, who is, Ooh. I think, Brighton's best player and also the player that that Graham Potter would consider to be the most vital in kind of stopping City in between the lines, particularly Kevin De Bruyne. So, yeah, that's going to be a huge Couldn't ask.
4: score a penalty against Newport, though.
3: Right. <laughs> True.
5: Not many could.
1: <laughs> and, and Brighton as well... Um, sapped by the 120 minutes they had to play at Rodney Parade and also, possibly, the knock to their confidence of being taken to penalties by the League Two side. Brighton, by the way, only three points above the drop. The team immediately below them, Fulham, have two games in hand on the Seagulls. Yikes. How much danger are Brighton in? And are Man City going to do another big number to them?
3: Uh, It was vaguely reassuring to watch Brighton be exactly the same in the FA Cup as they are in the Premier League, which is... Be quite nice and pleasant to watch, even on a bobbly pitch, and create chances and then almost deliberately fail to score. They're so bad at finishing their chances. More payers frustrating. Trossard is frustrating. They've got Percy Tao, finally. Uh after signing a couple of years ago, two and a half years ago, he's he's now got a work permit. So hopefully that will change things. But they are so frustrating to watch.
1: So Sorry, for a second, I thought he might have been coming by steamer or, or something from, from South Africa. What's no, it, he, 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 she was he, yeah, ah, he was in Belgium.
3: Yeah, he was in Belgium because he couldn't get a work permit for, for English football, but can now.
5: Okay. But they, they have an interesting club there, Union Saint-Geloise, uh, which is, I think, owned by the same guys as Brighton. So I think they can use that club to park players. And they play in the second division, but Tau has been scoring quite a bit. Um, so I think perhaps maybe they have to have a guy who can score goals from midfield there.
1: Right. For Graham Potter, throwing in the Tau could be the, the, the <laughs> a, a positive gesture in this case. Anyway, right. Also on uh, Wednesday, Aston Villa taking on Spurs, or will they? Or will they? What's what, what what's your feeling on this? Will will they be able to go ahead, having played a cup game? Do they now have to honour their league commitment?
4: I, I believe they have to. If if they're going to put the kids out in the FA Cup, there is the argument that that's devaluing the FA cup in normal circumstances so why would they be allowed not to put those same players out to play a premier league match because then I, 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 that that doesn't sit right with me um they've got 10 first team players out so they'd have to they'd have to play the kids
3: mm. the weird the weird thing is that they talk about this you have to have 14 players who can play but it's a kind of it's a slightly vague number in that you know premier league clubs have got 40 or 50 players who could if you go down to under 18 level in terms of that squad, the under 23 squad and the first team squad. So I think there needs to be some clarification on just how bad it gets. I suspect the Premier League's answer will be to, if it is postponed is not necessarily because of the unavailability of Villa players, it's them worrying about the spread of potentially to the Spurs squad uh, and the kind of knock on effect of it. That was certainly the case when Villa Newcastle was suspended. It was, and Everton Man City as well. It was about that spread, and I think that's really hard to work out.
4: But Jose Mourinho doesn't seem concerned about that. He, he no. is He's more concerned about the, the fixture being played because there's nowhere else to play it. He's said it's impossible. So I, I, I completely agree with you with that, Daniel. I don't think that um, you know that's even really been considered um, and, and should be.
1: The, the difference, I guess, between this game or a league fixture and a cup uh, commitment is the fact that you can't really play a cup commitment further down the road without compromising all the other games, you know, the, because it's you know not a knockout tournament, uh, which which I guess has been why the Premier League has been operating in a slightly different way. They haven't as yet forced anyone to field academy players or anything like that. But it does seem difficult if Villa couldn't get a first team together uh, on Friday for them to suddenly be ready on, on Wednesday. We shall see. But it's uh, it's becoming a bit of a problem for Villa. Already have two games to make up from earlier on in this campaign. The other game due to state plays midweek is on Thursday, actually, and it's Arsenal against Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace are unbeaten in the last four meetings with the Gunners. Gunners, though, are on this exciting winning run.
4: I think um, when when he brought Granit Xhaka and uh, Alexander Lacazette on in the FA Cup match against Newcastle, they made a real difference. And Lacazette's been, been playing really well recently. Emil Smith-Rowe as well, um, who also scored. But they're going to be without... Gabby Martinelli. It looks as if mm. again he's only just come back, like early December, after being out of the knee injury, and he's now picked up an ankle injury in the warm up for that for that match. That doesn't look good. Um, Mikel Arteta said he was in tears in the in the dressing room afterwards. And you know, he's I've done a lot of um, Arsenal press conferences this season, and Mikel Arteta speaks so highly of this this nineteen year old, and and says that it's actually it's not just him as a player, it's his character. He Really galvanizes the rest of the team as well, so that's going to be a big miss. But actually, when I looked at the table with Arsenal, it's, they're up to eleventh. They're actually only six points behind Spurs in fourth, even though Spurs have got um, a game in hand. Obviously, when you look at it like that, it's they're not. It's it's not a great season, quite clearly, but it's not as absolutely diabolical after this um, this this run of uh, of three Premier League wins in a row.
3: The other thing, we're obviously previewing games this week. As of Tuesday, there are Premier League games for 12 days in a row. There's a kind of festival of football all on TV, Which is so it runs until uh, a week on Friday, which is quite nice.
5: And not just Premier League, because uh, Copa Libertadores' semi-final return legs are this week as uh, River go to Palmeiras and Mm. Boca go to Santos. And for River, this could be this River Plate's team last stand. Uh, that the season is in danger of falling apart as, um, unfortunately, um, uh, Franco Armani, the goalkeeper, is making too many mistakes. Uh, so they've just failed to reach this, the final of the um, Copa de la Superliga or Copa Diego Maradona uh, by losing to Independiente 2-0. But they have injuries, injured players coming back. So maybe um, they can overturn this horrific uh, first-leg defeat. the lost 3-0 at home to Palmeiras despite creating loads of chances. Uh, so now they have balance because Fabrizio Anguilleri is back at left-back. Uh, Gonzalo Montiel, for whom this could be the last game before he's moved to Roma. Uh, Roma, and he's very much uh, right back in the um, Trent Alexander-Arnold mould, a little bit older. Nacho Fernandes could be going to Brazil. So these players could be playing together for the last time. And that maybe wow. they might make it not the last time if they manage a miracle. And perhaps with Gachardo in charge, they are actually the players who are capable of doing so.
1: I want to see what happens,
5: Sasha. What time is it on? It is on at, uh, I think it's half past midnight, Uh, so it's actually on Wednesday. Uh, But I think it's going to be worth watching it because uh, I think they'll go for it.
1: Excellent, excellent. All right, well, those are the games coming up ahead of and indeed just after our next edition of the Totally Football Show, which will be with you on Thursday. Uh, We've got some other things to discuss, and not least, what's going on with WSL. And we'll be getting onto to that in a second or two after we hear from Lee Price with some odds from Paddy Power.
6: Hey, listeners. Yeah, I'm back again. Sorry about that. I'm almost as ubiquitous as the football at the minute. Not that I'm moaning. It's not like we can do a lot else. So today I gladly give you the betting numbers regarding the latest elite sport fixtures, starting with ah, Sheffield United versus Newcastle. If the Blades are going to win a game this season, surely this is as good a chance as any. Relegation seems a foregone conclusion for Chris Wilder's men. Not that I dare say that to his face. We make it 1-40 that United go down. But they are favourites to win on Tuesday night, priced at 7-5. Newcastle are 2-1 and they, like me, are very much missing Alisson Maximum. Manchester United are odds on to beat Burnley with Bruno Fernandes 6-5 to to score which seems generous given that United are averaging three penalties a game at the minute. Or something like that. Burnley are 6-1 to, to win and quietly are on a decent run, losing just two of the last ten games and those coming against would-be champions Man City and people's champions Leeds. Hmm, maybe. It's almost time for my bath, so we'll finish up with Wolves vs Everton. I lose track of whether these two teams are in good nick, on a bad run or just inconsistent. The number wizards at Paddy Power should be slightly more across things, and they make Wolves the favourites to win the late kick-off, although neither team is odds-on, which makes my tiny mind lean towards the draw at 21-10. to 10. Well, that's my quota of daily exercise done. The mental gymnastics I have to go through working out these odds is exhausting. TTFN, catch you later in the week.
1: You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply and when the fun stops, stop. In other news, Monday, uh, which is today, a Totally Football League show will be with you uh, with loads more reaction to how the lower league sides got on in the cup this weekend. Woohoo. Uh, on Tuesday, it's the Totally Football Show European Edition, which I've already mentioned several times, which will feature Schalke winning and Bayern losing. Crikey. And loads of other exciting stories from around Europe too. The Totally Scottish Football Show will be out on Tuesday as well, as will be the Offside Rule WSL edition. Although, Faye, what are they actually going to be talking about in the Offside Rule WSL edition, given that did any games actually take place this weekend?
4: One. Um, Chelsea beat Reading 5-0. Everything else was called off for either COVID or injuries. And the big story in the WSL uh, this past week has been Dubai Gate. Um, Mm. A number of WSL players uh, travelling out to Dubai, some for for legitimate business reasons, others not. Um, Approved by clubs. So Arsenal um, and Manchester City and Manchester United uh, said that this was okay. Manchester United manager Casey Stoney has apologised for that. She said that was an er error of judgment. It it got a lot of people very upset within, quite rightly, I think, uh, within the WSL, because it felt as if there was preferential treatment being given to the bigger clubs because Arsenal were allowed to have their game against Aston Villa postponed. Um, Manchester City were allowed to postpone their game against West Ham as a reason as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And there were other teams who had um, players still recovering from COVID, i.e. Everton, who couldn't field um, enough players. They were then allowed to to have their game postponed. And so Birmingham were upset because they didn't have enough players uh, due to injury. So they actually decided in the end to pull out of their game against Tottenham. And so that goes to a tribunal because they're technically not allowed to do that. But I'm, I'm sure their argument will be that other teams were able to do it when they they couldn't field 14 players. Right. Um, and the whole situation has just got a little bit farcical and I think probably could have been handled a lot better.
1: Well, I'm quite surprised that they were able to make this trip over the Christmas break when the lockdown was essentially getting uh, tightened quite significantly. And uh, as you were mentioning, they've come back with positive COVID tests, having, uh, well, having essentially picked it up there on this trip. Is that right?
4: Yeah, so four Manchester City players um, tested positive for COVID. One Arsenal player, but then that Arsenal player had been in contact with, with, with other Arsenal players. Um, however, they haven't broken any rules because the government have not been um, strict with what they're saying. They're just saying they are guidelines. Um, And this is where the problem lies because we're now nine months into this pandemic and everybody has found ways of finding loopholes around these guidelines. And so unless the government actually turn around and say you cannot travel or if you travel, you must self-isolate when you get a quarantine, when you get to wherever you're going and quarantine if you're coming back into the UK, Mm. which many other countries do. We're going to continue to have these problems because players will always be able to say if they were given permission from their clubs that... They didn't break any rules. I
5: I, th- I think this is where the employer has to take the responsibility if they are given them the permission, and I think this is the clubs have to get punished for this, so they just stop doing this. Because if an employer t- turns around and says you can't go, and if they then go, well, it's, there, it's supposed to be then to punish them. But if it's the level above, something needs to be done to the clubs.
1: It does seem surprising that clubs would do something which has been who's put them in in so much jeopardy as well. Is it because the clubs have less control over some of the the big players in in WSL?
4: No, it's very it's very different. I I think they've just not thought it through. I think they've 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 just thought, oh yeah, the players need a break. Everybody is so confused with the government guidelines. Yeah, I don't think anybody anyone's have...
1: confused about the idea that flying off to Dubai was a good idea at Christmas. Well,
4: but... I, I listen, James. I agree with you one hundred percent on that. But you know, equally, I, I do think some people are choosing to selectively pick rules that they will adhere to. Mm. Um, and it suits a lot of people, you know, that th- there are high profile people who've gone out off on holiday. The most stupid thing about this kind of thing is that they're posting it all over social media. You're <laughs> just thinking, okay, so you either don't think that this is perhaps a grave error of judgment, or you don't care, either of which is a problem.
3: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I'm, and this is not intended as a defence in any way. It's just, it's such a shame at the moment that these types of errors of judgment probably happen quite often. It's just that in this climate, the results of of those errors of judgment are so significant, not just for the clubs and the players themselves, but for the sanctity of the league as a whole, that that's why there needs to be more guidance, not just from government, although I completely agree that should happen, but also from the governing bodies, because um, it's their league that's at stake here. It's their product that's being damaged both in PR terms and in a very literal sense if games can't go ahead. And um and the other thing to mention particularly in the in the WSL more than the Premier League is that it's it's not just the players if games are off there's support staff there's you know there's freelance people there's a lot of people around the game who's you know whose work cannot take place because of other people's areas of judgment and then this needs to be a lot more joined up thinking about that yeah otherwise we're going to have the intertotally cup again i think yeah exactly we've we've all got used (laughs) to the idea that
1: football can sail on through the pandemic but uh, (laughs) this weekend has been a slight reminder of how precarious the whole thing is so yeah fingers crossed uh a busy midweek ahead of us then we will be back to uh Respond to all of that on Thursday in the next Totally Football Show normal edition. Uh, having come to the end of this one, though, many, many, many thanks to Faker others to Sasha Gurinov and Daniel Storey for being with us, and to producer Charlie as ever for putting it all together through the night. Listener, do hope you have a super week. Remember all those other top, top podcasts you can enjoy, and we'll catch up with you again on Thursday. Bye-bye
0: you've been listening to The Totally Football Show part of the Athletic Podcast Network keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and follow us at thetotallyshow on Twitter and Insta check out all of The Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power
2: The Athletic